You're listening to Falling Jackfruit with me, Josh Reed, a podcast series where I sit down and chat with the creative community here in Ho Chi Minh City. I'm joined this week by creative couple Becca Whiting and Brett Hamilton. Brett is a cinematographer and filmmaker whose latest ventures include working as a director of photography on an internationally successful YouTube channel. And we touch on some of his favorite projects, as well as dealing with the issue of burnout. Becca is an events manager who's devoted herself to helping foster a thriving live music scene here, as well as having a hand in organising film festival screenings for local filmmakers and one of the country's most successful music festivals. And we touch on all that and much more. We kick off today's episode with Brett, so sit back and relax, get comfy and enjoy the episode. I actually moved here like three years ago, and I was working as a f- English teacher for a year, mm. and then started applying for film jobs. Got a job with a digital company here who is making like doing uh, some trying to make a platform for like Vietnamese news, kind of like similar to BuzzFeed or something oh, like that. Okay, right, yeah. And I was their digital content director for nice. about a year. Was uh, like directing the video aspect of that and then uh for the past year and a half i was the director of photography on the best ever food review show yeah i remember because you told me about that uh before and i did i did check it out yeah it's cool so, so yeah, you've it's, seen it's, a few episodes yeah. i've seen i've seen a few the the one i saw was kind of the first one that came up which was uh the ostrich uh, oh sure uh, mm-hmm. yeah that's pretty crazy is it so are you still with them now no, I, I left that about two months ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that like your most recent? Yeah. Most recent yeah. I, I worked on like a, a finished up a feature like documentary that I had been, uh, oh, nice. that a crew from the US came out. And so I did that like a month ago. Cool. It's about a week week more filming. But other than that, it was just, uh, yeah, Best Ever Food of Visha was my life yeah. for a long time. So how, how long were you working on it? Like a couple of years? Uh, about a year and a half. Mm. And that was like a year and a half of... Uh, Every two weeks, we would travel for two weeks. Okay. So every month, I was gone for 50% of the time, uh, traveling to places like Indonesia, yeah. Kenya, Madagascar. That's pretty uh, nice. Yeah, in Japan, like we were all over the place and filming the entire time we were mm-hmm. there, you know. So, so. Is, is the company Best Ever Food Review, is that based in Ho Chi Minh, like the actual company itself? Yeah, and I mean, company is like a strong term for it, honestly. I mean, yeah. it is a company, like they are making uh, products and selling it, but we are, it was a YouTube channel. Yeah. Like, and so there are 10 people. That were, like at oh, the okay. max, it was 10 people. Mm. When I joined, we had four or oh. four or five, you know. So like uh, the team grew but it was always very very small and tight yeah and so you, uh like you the, the content director do you say no i was the director of photography director for the show so i was basically in charge of everything that uh everything visual about the show like okay. the visual aesthetic the look how it's mm. shot things like that but the, i mean that's like my that's my role on paper but my responsibilities were obviously a lot More, larger yeah, when there are only three team, when there are three yeah. people going into the jungle yeah. Or, you know, like with a, in, in the middle of nowhere, Kenya, like you, you pick up all the slack that yeah, needs to be picked up, sure. you know? Um, so what was like, what were some of the highlight countries then? Oh, highlight countries. Uh, definitely Madagascar mm. was like my favorite trip, I think. Um, just an absolutely gorgeous place. Yeah. Like we, uh, we were lucky enough to start in Antananarivo, the capital city, and drive 
the, all the way down to the bottom of the island and then all the way back up. Yeah. And I was just blown away by the landscapes there and the people. And also, like, I mean, Madagascar is like bottom five in total GDP. So oh, it's really? like, yeah, one of the most poor countries in the world. But the people that we met there, like, uh, were just some of the most amazing, welcoming people. And in, in, in like small villages, like cooking, you know, like lobster for us yeah. that they had just caught that morning. And cool. things like that, you know, like these people were, they didn't have much, but they were very like, they had enough and they yeah. were like satisfied. I think they were like very happy. That's cool. From what I could see. So did you work on um, like the editing of the videos and stuff as well? A bit. Yeah. I mean, like I, I was always like giving input on things and kind of like uh, helping out with like the thematic, mm. you know, developments and the the, the style of the film in, in those ways, but. Uh, it was mostly my job was like on in in the field recording and then yeah. bringing the footage back and kind of like processing the footage that we've shot, looking at it, seeing what we could do better as like shooters, um, and then giving it to the editors. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, like, what what brought you out here then to Vietnam originally? Uh, I like many other people traveled to Southeast Asia like five years ago, and I was. Uh, I really fell in love with the culture in Southeast Asia, just like kind of n lack of rules, like everything kind of regulates itself. It's like, you know, people are, you can interact with people on a more like grounded level, I feel like. It's yeah. not so many like, uh, I don't know, just in America, it's like beige strip malls everywhere, the same brands, you know, everywhere, you know, like you're never really interacting with anyone that's like, taking you know you're you're not paying somebody money that they're really getting you yeah. know whereas in 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 southeast asia i feel like that's like completely flipped on its head where people everybody's running a business out of their front door mm -hmm. and like everybody's Everybody like i can spend i can spend like 50 percent of my income easy in a block of my house yeah you know like and it's staying with those families and that, that was like i don't know that was one of the many things that really drew me out here yeah and like maybe want to come back I, sh I should, and live. Uh, should have asked, actually. Where are you actually originally from? Uh, I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. And then I lived in Chicago for like six years before I came out here. And did you get um, kind of, did you quit your teeth to get some experience in Chicago with the film stuff? Yeah. yeah. So I, I went to film school. I was like class, I was traditionally trained yeah. at, a, at a film school in Chicago and was working there for probably two years before yeah. um, I moved out here. Yeah. Nice. Um, so like what would kind of your, I don't know, day to day be then, um, with the best of a food review, like it could just totally vary. Yeah. It would be different every day. Yeah. I mean, like, a, like a typical day, let me just like, we're in India, you know, like we're, we're on a road trip in India. So like we wake up in the city that we're at, we maybe drive two hours to where we're going to be filming. We get out, we film the, the location and that includes like, you know, maybe 15 minutes as soon as we get there of like filming the exteriors, filming like people, like just like getting B-roll, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just kind of getting like shots that can like tell this, tell the visual story, make people feel like they're there. And then we start with a scene. So it's usually like a scene of our host in the kitchen, like with interacting with the chef, seeing what the story of this food is, and then the eating scene. And then, yeah. you know, so but, and then we do that four times. Nice. So we usually had like about four locations a day. Um, and that would make an episode. So we'd, we're roughly one episode every day. That's, that's what we're filming. And our episodes are like 
15 minutes each usually, yeah. around 15 minutes. We publish twice a week. Mm. And uh, they're some of the best. I mean, like the quality of what we're doing. We're not doing vlogs, you know? Yeah. Like actually like what we're making, what we were making on YouTube was like a television quality it's show. Super, yeah, it's super like right? high uh, high quality production. Yeah. yeah. So it's a little bit different than like we were publishing at a rate of, of, of like traditional vloggers who can just like bring out their, their cell phone yeah. and like film it like that. Um, but with TV level, yeah, you know, editing, TV level shooting, TV level production. Did you ever in feel, a foreign country? Like, did you ever feel the pressure of that? Oh, point? of course. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that that pressure was us being having to travel for two weeks of every month. Yeah, if we have to have eight episodes a month, mm. we have to be gone for you know fourteen days a month. So yeah. so that's like, yeah, that was really. That's a, that's a taxing thing, yeah. And, and it was it was incredible because I got to experience so much in so little time. Yeah. But at the same time, it, eventually, I mean, at the end, it just wasn't very sustainable for yeah. me. You know. I mean, you'd, I guess, like, it, it, yeah, it definitely takes its toll. Like, traveling is just the yeah. one thing that will just completely, like, wipe you out. Um, that's a hard thing to yeah. grapple with, too, because it's like, wow, I have the dream job. I'm, like, traveling yeah. and doing all this stuff. But then it was like, feeling of like uh just a, the way that my emotions would like force me to behave whatever i was like oh i've been here for only a week and we have a week more mm. and i'm like holy fuck dude i gotta get out of here you know like yeah or like just like those kind of panicky moments where i can always like bring myself back down but just like after a long time and then like oh i've only been in saigon for one weekend and now i have to leave again yeah and like just like the last days with my with becca and with uh, my dog and everything were always really, really hard before I left. Yeah. And yeah, it took a toll. I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, there's, I, I'm always reading about like creative burnout and things like that. And I guess that's kind of something that you got to fight as well when, you, when you're on the road so much. Yeah, burnout is very real. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's a, like I said, it's a very weird emotion to feel because you're like, there's a lot that's like built into that. Cause you know, it's like, am I, Am I capable? Am I am I like yeah, not? Am I good yourself. enough to do yeah. this actually? Or like, is it this? Is it the situation I'm in that's extreme? Yeah. Or am I not extreme enough to rise to that to those requirements? Okay. Yeah. It's the self doubt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's also like, why am I not like? How come I'm not? Why did? Why isn't this making me happy? You mm. know what I mean? Like, I'm doing this dream job. Why am I not getting like a satisfaction from it? And I, in a lot of ways, I was right. Yeah. And in every like measurable way, those were the most incredible experiences of my life. Yeah. But at the same time, like I'm 26, I I have like a relationship with Becca that I've been cultivating for five years. Yeah. And like, I just kind of saw it as like, well, is this like what I can I sustain this for five to ten years in the future, which I really wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but the burnout got really bad, and yeah. uh. I think there are there are ways that we could have like maybe fixed it, but the channel just like wasn't in a place to do it, you know. Yeah, it's still. I mean, how how old did you say the channel was? Like two years old. Yeah, the channel now is like three three and a half years so, old. I mean, it's still almost in a kind of startup phase, really. Like, it feels like that, but yeah. also like when I joined, we had five hundred thousand subscribers. Yeah, and now they have three point four million. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw like I said, I watched the ostrich, you know, cooking the ostrich video, and I think that had like over a million views or yeah. something like that. Like, right. Like, like, oh, shit. Yeah. Just, yeah. 
We were really blown up. And yeah. that was amazing also because to be a part of that from like one stage mm. into like how, how much grows. we grow, yeah. how much we grew and like how we had to change our production, how we were allowed more um, in terms of like budget basically. Yeah. Like we could travel to the U.S. and do a tour of the Deep South, which we couldn't have afforded before, you know, we had two million subs. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's really exciting. It was like really cool to see. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, but I mean, it was also like uh, just having people actually enjoy and watch your shit. Yeah, you know, like we were we went to, we had meetups in India. Uh, we went we did a little road trip and like went to each a, a bunch of different cities in South India and did meetups in every place. When, sorry, when you say meetups, you mean like different different parts of the team. Or, no, I mean like we we would post on Instagram like the day we would get to a city and say like hey we're like fan meetup everybody can oh, come like a fan meetup oh, yeah right. That's really and cool. so like seeing yeah. people who are like yeah. really enjoying my work and like actually like invested in this project and in India and like all yeah. of the, all over the world there are people like that and, like and you got and you, you had like people come in and meet in yeah the, like, a lot of people yeah. way more That's than I would have ever expected I was it was a uh, so rewarding, pretty surreal, but like awesome yeah. Experience. But it was a really incredible. It yeah. was really, really, really cool seeing that grow that much. And yeah, you know. and also he's recognized. He's recognized in airports and stuff. Like oh really? Not me. No, well, <laughs> the, host. the host. The yeah, host. Yeah, the guy in front yeah, of the camera. Sorry, yeah. Of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, even going on to like you say, going on to the the YouTube channel. Um, I, I recognized him. I was like, I've mm. definitely seen like a mm. few videos of this before. Yeah, yeah. They've got they've got pretty good little branding and yeah. like every part of it, right? Like his bandana is like, yeah. a, even if you don't recognize the face of tall white guy number yeah. five yeah. on YouTube, yeah. it's like the bandana does a yeah, good job of like separating him. Yeah. So, and did you did you have anything to do with like the branding of the company? Like, like say all hands on deck kind of thing? Or oh, I mean, stay clear of that. I it was. I wouldn't say like I fully stay clear of it. Like I would do some like g some motion graphics for the merch sales or things like that. Yeah, but yeah. Um, and like it was a, it was such a small team that it was kind of like every everything was kind of discussed in full. So from like titles to yeah. thumbnails and everything like that. Like I was definitely giving input on how that you know where where that would where what direction the channel was moving in. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean that's that's pretty uh, like you know when you work for a smaller company you get to to have a bit more input and stuff i guess yeah yeah you've done like i mean you've said like you travel to like india mm. madagascar um have you done much extensive travel in vietnam yeah in vietnam uh personally we traveled quite a lot and with the show we also traveled a lot yeah. too so we went to like ninh binh uh near hanoi did yeah. some hanoi videos did some mekong videos yeah we kind of Vietnam was like when we were like, okay, the travel's been a lot recently. Yeah. Let's like make a we're few videos here local. for like three days, and yeah. then we can stay here for a week longer. Yeah, you produced a few in Saigon too. Yeah, that's right. We made a a few in Saigon, like a burger showcase. Oh, okay, yeah, an American burger showcase that yeah. I produced, and then is that kind of like a um, like the burger competition? Is it kind of like a like kind of facing off? like some of the burger joints are like facing off and you're like ranking the burgers or is it just like these are the best burgers? Well, I mean, so it's called Best Ever Food Review Show, mm. but like I I think the host would also say this, that we, we, we kind of strayed away from making judgments about yeah. food in general. Yeah. Like um, 
it, the show's purpose is never like, oh, this is a this nine is, out of ten, yeah, or you yeah. know, like here is the best place in this place. Like mm. it's like we want to just show people what the culture is in that place. So for that episode, we did like, you know, we did Marcel and yeah. Chuck's Burgers, and like we hit all like the big McDonald's. Yeah, but we also <laughs> did McDonald's and talked about like. We talked about the uh, street food culture in Saigon and how McDonald's like is adapting to that, how the mm-hmm. brand works in this country, and uh, yeah, it was it was in, it's really interesting. Yeah, because it was always about the people making the food. You know, like yeah. it's like yeah, the, the kind of the ethos was like wherever we were gonna go somewhere crazy, meet some a, a really unique culture, and then just point the camera at whatever they're cooking and yeah. eating. And at them doing it, you know? I mean, that's the thing, like, I've noticed in Vietnam is, like, every little province is just, like, totally different to, like, the, the neighboring province. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, what was, like, one of your craziest experiences or, like, funnest experiences mm. on the job? Uh, I'll start with craziest. So, the hardest the hardest trip that we ever did was my last one. Um, we were intended to go into Iran. Okay. Um, and myself and the host are both Americans, so we had been working for like literally six months before then to get the visas, and it was coming up to the day. And the company we we're working with was like, "Yeah, we'll probably get the visas," but like we were, we had to plan a whole trip mm-hmm. with that kind of uncertainty. It wasn't going to happen anyway. So, so Sunny, our host, uh, about three weeks before we we're due to travel again, it's like, "Okay, uh, we should go to West Papua, Indonesia. I want to meet the cannibal tribes that were discovered mm-hmm. there." Uh, like 40 years ago. They were discovered in the 70s. So there are these tribes still living in the jungle. So three weeks we had to go and, uh, you know, to plan this whole trip into the into this area. And there are no videos on the... There's like one documentary made by the BBC mm-hmm. that documents this tribe. And there's no other video footage that I could find on the internet at all. And I don't think that's from lack of trying. <laughs> I yeah, think it's yeah. because other film crews looked at this and they were like, what the fuck? How? This is a mo- one of the most undeveloped, unexplored places in the world. Yeah. The government is extremely repressive for media because there's like a huge uh, independence movement happening in West Papua. So we find a fixer who can take us, who can get us into these places. And we go there. Um, six or seven flights to get to the island. And then once you're on the island, it's like another flight um, to get to where we wanted to go. We get to where we wanted to go. One of the most, I mean, just nothing. Completely undeveloped. No roads. Yeah, I mean roads, but they're like just dirt dirt and then like buildings on the side, basically, you know? Um, Yeah, so we get there and uh, we we were told we were going to walk into the jungle and stay overnight for two nights with uh, this tribe. Mm-hmm. They, they were just discovered in the 70s. It's a Korowai, Korowai tribe. And uh, we, the night before we arrive in this place, and there's like, I mean, there's just nothing there. So we were all just like kind of sitting in our hotel rooms waiting for the next day. And it is the hardest rain that I've ever heard. And I would wake up in the middle of the night and like, yeah, still... Still raining. Still, going. still the hardest <laughs> rain I've ever heard. And then I woke up the morning. Still that ex- it just throughout the night was just torrential downpour. And so we kind of all wake up like way early. We're eating our breakfast. And we're like, man, this is crazy. Like, are we gonna do this? And then uh, we get in the car. We go to the jungle. We go to the like mouth of the jungle, right? So we have to like um, we have to 
pay these porters, these people who used to be a part of the Korowai tribe, but have since like moved out and are living like closer to the the proper village in the area. And uh, so they they like are carrying our bags and everything, and we walk three hours into the rainforest, into the thick jungle, and um, in Indonesia. And once we get there, there's basically nothing outside of the, just a, a kind of a big open area, mm. and then a uh, a house built on stilts. Okay. So it's like a a, a fairly large room built on stilts about 15 meters off the ground. And this is where the Korowai people live. So we get to spend the entire day with them and uh, went out into the jungle, was like chasing them through the jungle as they were hunting. And of course, we we're in like very nice hiking boots and everything stomping through the mud as uh, they're barefoot yeah. and <laughs> way faster than us. We could not keep up at all. Um, and But it was a really very insane uh, experience. Imagine, yeah. That sounds like something out like a movie or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it was, it was an incredible thing to to be a part of for sure. And what was what was kind of the end result then? Did you get to see them cook up a dish? Yeah, we so they went. We we followed them out into the jungle. They were looking for meat. They were they were trying. They were hunting, mm. but we didn't. They didn't see any animals or anything like that. So they found this tree that they had cut down a few days earlier, yeah. just lying on the ground, and they like chop into it and rip the bark out as it's rotting and they find like all of these uh sago worms mm. these big like they look like lion king to and pumbo oh, and they okay, pull out yeah, the big juicy yeah. ones <laughs> they look exactly like that and so they take those they, they got a bunch of those took them back and uh cooked them into this little like baked uh pizza lasagna kind of thing yeah obviously they don't call it that but <laughs> 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 but that's like the most I can. That's the best podcast yeah. description I could see. Watch the episode; mm. you'll understand. Yeah, for sure. Go and watch it. Yeah, but um, yeah, we got to see what they ate and uh, kind of like spend some time with them. It's a very interesting experience. Sounds, well, yeah, sounds like a like crazy experience that I think like ninety nine percent of people in the world probably won't get to. <laughs> yeah. Experience. Yeah. No, yeah. Ac- actually, yeah. yeah, there were many moments on that show where I was just like, wow, like. Not flights have only been affordable for like mm. thirty years, you know. Like, yeah. and then before and that, it was like a, a three month like ship to get yeah. to these places, you know. Like the the amount and range of travel that I've had is like it blows my mind when I think about the amount of people that have existed and who've had any kind of experience similar yeah. to this, you know. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's doing traveling right. I think. <laughs> uh, this kind of episode is slightly bittersweet because both of you are leaving pretty soon, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're both going to uh, Los Angeles trying to take what, what Saigon has given us in terms of experience yeah. and knowledge uh, and bring it back to the U.S., see how that will play nice. there. Yeah. So, what, so yeah, what's, what's the next thing then? You, you move to L.A. and are you hoping to, to do more in, the, in film, TV or something? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would love to go back and do what I did on the, the best ever food review show channel um, with another YouTube channel. I loved working for a YouTube channel, ha- having the freedom to produce whatever you want. Yeah, you know, like and like, there's no no gatekeepers or anything. There's yeah. nobody. There's no like studio. There's nobody telling us what we can and can't do yeah. or what like jokes we can and can't make. 
I mean, YouTube is having more and more rules coming yeah. like every day, but it, it was it's an amazing thing. And and just be like having that experience of working with a small group of people and collaborating on such an intimate way for so long. Uh, I think it's gonna be hard to go back to freelance or just like jumping on a random project. Yeah, you know, I want to like really sink my teeth into uh, something that me and a group of people can really be proud of and you know have thanks. call our own. Thanks for chatting to me. It's been fun. No problem. Thanks for um, having me, man. If people want to check out. Uh, best of a food review on YouTube, right? Yeah, you can find the channel there. Yeah. Um, I would recommend our Madagascar series. Uh, our Kenya series is also very good. And the recent Indonesia tribal videos are all very, very good. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. grabbing a couple more beers in between recordings, I sat down with Becca to chat about what she'd been doing in the events management circuit. Hope you enjoy. I'm an event manager for Saigon Outcast and Soma Art Lounge and Rogue Saigon, nice. which are all um, sister slash brother companies yeah. under the same umbrella. So it's the same owner. I'm, I'm familiar with it. Although I've never been to Rogue, actually. But I've been, I've obviously, living in, in detail. I've, I've definitely been to Soma and Outcast. Yeah, yeah Rogue is um, definitely the most unique I think okay. I think Outcast and Soma have similar missions they're kind of for like the underdog artists we do a lot of alternative um, mm. events there but Rogue is mostly just like a craft beer rooftop bar right so, so like a bit more standard kind yeah of thing. standard yeah, yeah. but in like the best way you yeah. know like you they you know they're gonna have the best beer and like it's always a beautiful view so yeah yeah it's a rooftop right yeah okay. yeah yeah beautiful view of Batexco um, so yeah, how long have you, how long have you been doing the events management here? Then? Um, well, I've been doing it for, uh, those companies for about a year now. Mm. I actually just left that position, but, um, I've been doing event management here basically since I arrived three years ago. Okay. Yeah. So, um, who, who was you at before? When I first moved here, uh, myself and my partner, Brett, um, we took over a film festival uh, screening series called Future Shorts. Oh, okay. So we were planning those basically since we, like the first month we moved here, we started getting involved in that. And after that, I got a part-time job at Indica as the event manager there. Yeah. Also a fan of Indica as well. <laughs> yeah, me too. So we did that for, I did that for a year and... Then I started working at Outcast. Nice. Yeah. So I mean, I, I know you, you just touched on it then um, when you said Soma and um, Saga Outcast have these kind of similar uh, mission statement type things. Yeah. Um, like, can you can you expand on that a bit more? Yeah. I, I, I kind of understand what you're getting at, but I want to yeah delve deeper into that. Yeah. Sure. I think the thing that attracted me to those companies, or rather, just Outcast when we first moved here, Outcast was the only one. Uh, that existed at the time and it was definitely on my radar because it seemed like a place for um, all the alternative type of stuff that I love like uh, skating graffiti heavy metal music punk rock mm. uh, crazy abstract art 
dance events, just anything you can imagine, like looking at their past events, it looked like they had it there at some point. So it definitely stood out to me as a really special place within the city that was really unfamiliar to me. It definitely got like an alternative vibe to it. Yeah, you go there and there's graffiti everywhere. It's... it immediately feels like a safe place. You can stick your and en- your st- you can put your sticker anywhere. Yeah. You know, like yeah. on the tables, on the walls, wherever. It just has a very um, kind of DIY feel. Yeah, I mean, I've seen like I've seen bands there, like uh, films there, Mexican wrestling. There. Yeah, like, it's yeah. Just, like, so so varied. You never know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of like what you're doing, like. I think I've, I've noticed it more so at uh, Soma. Like yeah. some of like the nights that you put on there are like really, yeah, like definitely uh, championing the kind of alternative scene here. Yeah. yeah, I'm extremely unbelievably proud of Soma. Um, I was really lucky to know the owner Lynn before Soma opened its event space. Mm. It was just a cafe at the time. And we had a couple meetings talking about the new event space and what he wanted to do with it. And luckily, he trusted me enough to hire me on. And it was just a a blank slate, basically. And he really trusted me to just do what I felt would fit there. And I definitely think I went off the rails from what he expected. (laughs) By booking uh, Gender Funk, the drag queen show, I was booking my friend's heavy metal bands and just a a wide variety of things that I think he was walking into and just being a little like wide-eyed, like, oh my gosh. But then seeing that there's hundreds of people in this room, like I think it it, it's really special to to go to those kind of events where it seems really offbeat or like a really extreme subculture and then to see so many people in the room with you who are into it I think it it gives a lot of people comfort that maybe couldn't find it before yeah so I'm really proud that um I was able to help create that environment there yeah I mean like just just touching on that as well like I I went to um a a punk night there um, yes and it was like which one? It was it was on a Sunday. I remember it was on a Sunday because I was like, should I go? Koteka is the reason. Um, there was seven uppercuts. Yeah. And then there was Indonesian punk band. Yeah. I know exactly which one. Their set was like twenty minutes long. Yeah. Because their songs are like twenty seconds long yeah. each. Yeah. <laughs> very. Yeah. Very They're funny. actually from one like an island around where um, Brett took his jungle trip in no Indonesia way. with the channel. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, because... Uh, she told me, well, Koteka yeah. is like uh, a penis gourd. That's some of the... the it's like a, a gourd that they put on their penis, and that's the only clothing that they wear. So uh, it was like... I had heard about Kote- uh, the Koteka from this show that Becca had organized that I went to. It was an awesome night. Yeah. And then I was in Indonesia with the people who are wearing the Kodeka. Huh. I was like... I mean, that's a pretty sick band name <laughs> yeah. as well. <laughs> Especially when you know the story behind it. But yeah, I mean, it was a great... Like, I mean, I'm, I wasn't... I was like not quite in the mood to be in like the mosh pit, but I was yeah. like, this is amazing. Like, I never... I just didn't think I'd get to see like that in Vietnam. Yeah. So like when I was there, I was like, oh my God, this is fucking insane. We, um, were, we were really lucky... 
literally our first day in the city, we found a Hardcore United. Um, at the time, I think they are Hardcore United. I think now they're uh, Hardcore Vietnam. But it was a festival that they put on. And they had, like, I think it was a full day of, like, 20 different bands. And they brought bands from Thailand and all over and it was outside at a 3A station, which no longer exists anymore. And it was kind of like an outcast space too. Like it had graffiti everywhere. There were small indie shops and mm. local designers and little tiny cafes. And I remember we walked in there and I just was like, oh my God, I'm so happy this exists here because like this was my scene back in the States. Everywhere I lived, I immediately tried to search out the, the hardcore scene because that's what I grew up in. That was what was familiar to me. And in my first day in this new city I've never been to in my life, I immediately <laughs> found this community of people and found all these bands and everyone was so friendly and they just wanted to share everything that they were doing, whether it was their like pop-up tattoo studio or their clothing brand or their band. It was it was just incredible and really welcoming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like the scene here for kind of everything kind of independent and and startup is like so yeah, as you say, welcoming, like, super warm, like, even if there's a bit of a language barrier sometimes, like, yeah. everyone's still, like, very... They try so hard, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, what what are some of, like, your favourite nights, then, would you say, that you've put on? My favourite nights, definitely um, the breakdance battle, mm. which I wanted to organise originally. It worked out that a crew actually put it together it's so not, not Boomslang, is it? No. It their Boomslang did organize a breakdance night. Yeah. Um, that was kind of the cultivation of this crew deciding they wanted to organize it. Yeah. So yeah, Boomslang was their night was awesome. Uh, but then we had another crew um do uh Breakaholics, yeah. which was this amazing dance competition. They probably had like any like fifty, at least fifty dancers sign up. Like oh. it was just endless the the rounds of dancers there was just one after another and they turned soma into the coolest looking thing i've ever seen they had stickers on the floor they had huge projections on the wall they had the vinyl uh turntables they had just amazing amount of people there it just felt so cool yeah and to see these kids dancing and just like i don't know just congregating in this space and hundreds of them yeah it just felt Really, really good. So was, was I'm really of, proud of that one. Yeah, I can imagine. Was that a lot of um, like Vietnamese people as well? Yeah, there? and that was that was the thing. Like, yeah. I think it's it's difficult to have spaces like like you said how you know you're you were surprised that like this metal scene existed in Vietnam. You know, I feel like a lot of foreigners say that mm. because the spaces where these subcultures exist don't overlap with foreigners at all, which is fine. Uh, but I think also like foreigners have a lot to either contribute or to promote, you yeah. know? So I think it's important for there to be a little crossover at least. So the right people can find the scene and help push it to the right people. Um, that's why like, I'm really happy that we, we found the, the breakdance scene. We found the heavy metal scene. We found, Gender funk, uh, full disclosure was what it was, and now it's gender funk. It's a lot more uh, foreigner facing mm -hmm. now, but um, now full disclosure and like the the Bang Trin team, they're really well known because even yeah, I mean, though they're very Vietnamese, huge, yeah. they're very 
their name is familiar because they've performed at these events with foreigners. And like, I think if everyone, if it means as much to everyone as it means to me and like other people I've talked to, they're going to carry this with them forever and yeah. they're going to talk about it forever. So it's it's kind of free marketing to the rest of the world, basically, yeah. once you overlap with this scene and it makes it not just existing in Vietnam, it makes it existing worldwide. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I guess like appealing to, to you know, international, internationally really, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. You you said like you, you're also from the States. Uh, like what is kind of your background? Is it events management or is that something you are into out here? Or? Yeah, events management is kind of the umbrella I would put it under. Um, when I was in high school, I interned at a, a local venue that had international bands coming through. I worked at the production company. I worked at the um, the record store that was next door. So I was very involved um, ever since I was 16 years old, basically. And um, when I got to, I went to college in Chicago and it was similar thing. I tried to go to shows and be as involved in the, the local hardcore scene as, as much as I could. Yeah. And yeah, I, after college, I got a job at the Windish Agency, which is now Paradigm. And I did tour accounting. So I was handling um, money basically for yeah. over 300 touring artists. And That's I did so that for stressful. about like, yeah, <laughs> oh my gosh, so stressful. Um, but I like numbers, so it was actually like really fun. Oh, okay, and it's kind I, of like merging two things that you you like. Then. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It, I think I just panic and just be like, bloat all on the food budget, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't let you. <laughs> yeah, um, it was a it was a really fun job. I I really enjoyed it. I'm more of a numbers person, I think, deep down. Yeah. So um, that worked, but um, after being in like the corporate environment and you know, dealing with a lot of like glass ceiling issues and realizing that I was not getting a promotion or there was like, yeah. it was going to take me 10 years to move up instead of like the other year that it would take other people. Yeah. Um, I decided to ditch it. Mm. So that's why um, I made a huge change and moved here. Yeah. Well, is, this, is there any more events that you want to, you want to chat about? Um, so um, there's a music festival called oh, okay. Coracle, right. or um, Coracle Festival, yeah. I think, as it's rebranded this year. And um, my my boss, Lynn, was one of the people who started it last year. He was one of the directors and founders. So I was um, pretty lucky to be in a position where um, I helped plan a lot of the pieces of that festival, probably yeah. most of the pieces I had a hand in. Nice. And I think that was just the the craziest experience of my life probably. Yeah. And it was also really special to see such a different music festival take place in Vietnam. Because mm -hmm. there's Quest, which is kind of like the playground for druggies. Yeah. And then <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> like a Five Nation, which is maybe like the chill out druggies. Yeah. Um, but this, and I'm sure like there are probably lots of druggies at Coracle as well, but it definitely felt legit. Kind yeah, of, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was more about like the international music. We had mm. big names like Odyssey, the, the rapper and Blood Red Shoes, yeah, which was I'm, like a heavy you know, rock band. Yeah, familiar with Blood Red Shoes. Yeah. yeah. When, I, when I saw that they were on the lineup, I was like, 
is this Vietnam? I know. Why you're like, it? wait, what? That yeah. blood red shoes? Like, what? Not, <laughs> not the reggae band blood red shoes? I don't even know if that exists, but you'd think it was a reggae band, right? Like, mm. just based on the fact that it's a festival in Vietnam. So, I mean, like, you were, you were heavily involved in kind of what aspects of it, like the the event, the booking? Um, mostly, like, logistics and operations. Yeah. Uh, volunteers, transportation, hospitality, um, ticketing. Yeah. This kind of logistics day of festival, scheduling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was it was the festival. Yeah. And it was um absolutely overwhelming. But um I am really excited that it exists and I hope it continue to it continues to exist and that they can keep bringing these big bands mm-hmm. in because I mean I think, people want to visit Vietnam for yeah, sure, you know, and, and exactly. people as well. So yeah, yeah sure. It's a great opportunity to travel and to, to meet the local people and I think it's it's so important for the scenes here also to have access to outside musicians or international artists because yeah. it's only going to help them l- learn and grow and become different artists and become inspired by different things. Yeah. I think there's we don't we, we take it for granted because like where we're from we have you know, 10 music venues in our big cities that have different bands playing every night of the week from all over, all genres, everything. And here it's not like that at all. So it it does feel kind of like you're in a bubble and Mm. you're listening to the same music on the radio. You're listening to the same, same bands and everything. So I think bringing in outside artists is only going to help change the the influence of the lo- the, local the local kids scene, here yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's going to make the music more interesting and better and really cool not to say that it's not good there are awesome musicians that are performing here yeah and i believe that there will always be those people yeah. without a doubt but it definitely helps i know it influenced me as a kid to hear all these bands from all over the world and yeah. that was a really lucky position to be in i mean i'm probably going to mention this band on this podcast like multiple times but I'm a big fan of this band called Krungbin I don't know if you've heard of them yeah and Thailand they're, right well or like, they're, they're part Thai named, named from yeah the, the Thai word and like they yeah like they're kind of the thing where they they have like playlists from like all their influences from like Iran no and, way like, yeah I think like maybe Afghanistan alright I'm gonna to, check that out yeah they're and so it, cool but it, it just goes to prove your point you know it's like all of these things kind of add up because they're a fucking great band as well. So yeah. all these things kind of add up to make like a new thing, which is like, yeah, yeah, pretty awesome. And it's just life experiences, I guess. Like even just meeting someone, I don't know, it's still a life experience. And yeah. For sure. And yeah. I would argue it would go the other way around to have these Vietnamese bands and artists and DJs go to other countries. Yeah. Same thing Absolutely. to have like Krangbin's uh, playlists of artists that inspire them. Like yeah. I think it's important to have artists from every country that where you get your influences yeah. i think that's really cool yeah for sure um so you do, you don't know yet but you think coracle might exist again yeah uh, this oh yeah year. it's happening yeah. it's yeah, happening it this year yeah um i'm not i'm not part of it so i'm i don't know exactly what's what's happening but yeah. the website is up there the events up there it's definitely happening and it's awesome. probably going to be awesome nice um yeah because as i mentioned when chatting to brett like unfortunately you you guys are moving away pretty soon. Yeah. yeah going to LA. 
Um, so what's next for you kind of on the horizon? No idea. Um, I like beer. Um, that's one thing I learned from working the, the Saigon Outcast, uh, craft beers, uh, festival. Um, I really like working with the breweries and, um, drinking beer. So I think it'd be fun to do something in beer, which would be kind of a, a stray from what I've been doing before. Yeah. Or I'll just go back to music. I'd love to keep, um, booking bands and, there's always going to be uh, music. Yeah, yeah. music. Yeah, I think so. Because I think there's there's I mean, quite a big craft beer scene in the states, right? As well. Yeah. Yeah. It's more. Yeah. Is that more like West Coast, which is like where you're heading out as well? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't done I just, much I just, research this is yet. What I've heard, you know, there's a there's a I don't know San Francisco maybe. Probably. Or, yeah, I. It's quite hips to see. I believe it. Um, yeah. I'll let you know once I research. Yeah, <laughs> Not <sure>. there yet. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, I've, did you have any involvement in the craft beer events here as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, the the Saigon Craft Beer Festival at yeah. Outcast, we do that. Um, I've done four mm. at Outcast because we do it three times a year. So that, and it was a blast. Yeah. It was one of my favorite events we did. I think both times I've been, it was like torrential downpour. Yeah, it always it was, rains yeah. and no one ever cares yeah, because there's it, like, beer. It's great. Yeah. Just keep like the beer glass kind of away from where the rain's dripping. Yeah. So it's not getting filtered, you know. You just need down. to post up by one of the vendors that has the tent and yeah. you're good. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember. There was one of my favorites and it was like, I think it was a cider, but it was like a chili cider. Okay. I can't remember the name, but I'm going to find out. Definitely a Saigon cider. Yeah, I heard it's actually really spicy. Yeah, it's 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 definitely got which a scared to me it. away. I was like, no, no I good. can't. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, I mean, there's gonna. I'm I'm hoping there's gonna be kind of someone trying to fill your shoes at Soma. Oh um, yeah, I have uh, an awesome coworker, uh, Khan. She's taking over for me, and yeah. she totally gets the the mission. Yeah. I think, and she will. I have faith she'll continue to book the the weird and the crazy and unique yeah Yeah. i like that awesome yeah well you know um i'll I'll link these below but uh soma's got a facebook page and i know you guys are actually good at like posting events on facebook so yeah we try (laughs) that's my job yeah yeah Uh, so yeah follow soma on facebook follow outcast follow rogue yeah uh Anywhere else you want people to check out? Uh, you can follow me. Yeah. Uh, since I'm leaving. Um, uh, Instagram. Instagram or, yeah. at Becca Rose White. All right. <laughs> Thanks for chatting to me, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Falling Jackfruit. Drop links in the description to the best ever food review, Soma Art Cafe, and Saigon Outcast, where you can check out some of their upcoming events, Becca's IG handle, so you can keep up to date with the latest adventures and work. If you've enjoyed listening to today's episode, please give us a like, subscribe, or leave a five-star review wherever you're listening, because it really does help. You can give us a like on Facebook at Falling Jackfruit, and on Instagram at Falling Jackfruit Podcast. And if you'd like to get in touch about coming on as a guest, or if you'd like to recommend someone as a guest, or if you just want to leave some feedback in general, please send an email to falljackfruit at gmail.com. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks again for listening.